Hello, ass clowns. Matt here. Uh, you may be wondering why I'm recording an intro and not Zach. And uh, it deeply saddens me to inform you all that Zach was murdered in a horrific freight truck incident. I'm joking, obviously. He's at work. Uh, we were going through the uh, post-production on this episode, and getting it all ready when we heard the same technical issues that we've been dealing with intermittently since about the Halloween 3 episode, and we've uh, referenced from time to time. We thought we had kind of figured it out and that it wouldn't really be occurring anymore, but uh, much to our dismay, and uh, but probably to no one else's surprise, we didn't figure it out. Uh, I do think that after some behind-the-scenes drama between uh, the two of us, we've come up with a plan to avoid this going forward. Uh, so I do apologize for the horrible audio that occurs roughly about halfway through this app, and it lasts for about four minutes. And we ask that you just kind of bear with us if you can, uh, and please, please refrain from posting comments such as this podcast is unmitigated garbage uh unless of course you're just talking about the on-air talent in that case feel free to use phrases such as offensively unfunny and uh, idiot losers whatever uh but yeah so thanks for listening and without further ado let's start the show People saw their clairvoyance in the wiped-out elms, the harsh sunlight, and the continuing decline of our auto industry. Even then, as teenagers, we tried to put the pieces together. We still can't. Now, whenever we run into each other at business lunches or cocktail parties, we find ourselves in the corner going over the evidence one more time. All to understand those five girls, who after all these years, we can't get out of our minds. Obviously, Doctor. You've never been a 13-year-old girl. And so we started to learn about their lives. Coming to hold collective memories of times we hadn't experienced, we felt the imprisonment of being a girl. The way it made your mind active and dreamy and how you ended up knowing what colors went together. We knew that the girls were really women in disguise, that they understood love and even death and that our job was merely to create the noise that seemed to fascinate them. We knew that they knew everything about us and that we couldn't fathom them at all. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. And I'm Matt. 
And this is episode 31, The Virgin Suicides. So, right off the bat, we should address the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah. Last episode. <laughs> uh, kind of an experimental thing for us. You can take it or leave it. Take it or leave we it. We won't be offended. We're kind of... It's part of the canon. It's episode number 30. Yeah. She's the man audio commentary, <laughs> in case you didn't notice or forgot. It's part of the expanded universe of the greatest moments. Well, it's... But we're kind of... It's officially a part of the the episodes, but we're kind of secretly... Burying it. Considering it like a bonus episode. Yeah. And anytime in the future... Bonus in quotes. <laughs> anytime... Yeah. Anytime in the future when we may try to do another audio commentary, it will also be secretly a bonus episode. Right. Um, but I mean, you know, I thought it was kind of fun. It was something different to try. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, now we're back to the you know, regular format. The reg. <laughs> and you know, like I said, maybe it's something we'll try again in the future. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how our fans, you know, react. Yeah. On Twitter and we'll see how the, the emails and rates and reviews go. <laughs> so anyway, uh, moving on. Moving on. Anything going on that you wanted to address? I feel like we need to get like a more casual conversation going at the beginning of the episodes instead of just jumping right into it. Yeah, I mean, kind of like you know, a little bit of foreplay, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> yeah. We saw Suicide Squad. Uh. Okay. <laughs> We're going that way. Well, you know, whatever's going on in our lives. All right. A topical show now. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Virgin Suicides. What are your initial takeaways, thoughts, questions, concerns? Uh, okay. Well, the first thing that I think struck me in this viewing, which it didn't really cross my... It's been a while since I've watched this movie, probably probably like seven years since the last time I watched it or so. And I will say something weird about it. It's kind of hard to tell who the main characters actually are in this movie. Like it's narrated from the, these like dudes perspective. Yes. But obviously, uh, Kirsten Dunst, the, like the one sister, I mean, she probably is like the main focal point out of the, the family. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, um, kind of plays into the you know the the idea behind some of the different things in the movie or you know the book itself that it's based off of. Um, I don't think it's unintentional that three of the five girls are pretty anonymous, right? Because I'll, I mean, all right. So let's just start from kind of the beginning we like the movie is heavily narrated uh, a lot of it is parts lifted straight from the book which is a great book one of my favorite books um extremely like poetic and lyrical <laughs> i don't really know how to how to explain it just like the vocabulary in it is insane and it's so well written but like the book itself is actually told from the a first person plural perspective there is we. no i it's uh, all always yeah. we and then, um, yeah okay and that comes across in the movie yeah addressing the group of dudes yeah the 
the the idea is that there's a group of uh, young guys, uh, probably you know in their early teens, who kind of uh, are fascinated and obsessed with these girls, uh, five sisters, all blonde, all living in one house. Uh, the Lisbon girls, uh, Cecilia, Lux, Mary. Bonnie. Bonnie and one other one. Those parents were <laughs> pretty busy there in a certain set of time because all these girls one year apart. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of understand from the title of the film and, you know, kind of what the narrator, Giovanni Rubisi, doing the voice oh, is of that? the narrator. I yeah. Know that. Saying at the beginning uh, about Cecilia being the first to go, implying that others will be going too. And yeah. So we understand that these girls are no longer with us, uh, likely right. <laughs> killing them, all killing <laughs> yeah, themselves. Nice, um, uh, poignant start. And the kind of central question of the film that kind of remains unresolved is, you know, why did and they do this? How <laughs> did this happen? Yeah, and it's this mystery that kind of, as we find out through the narration has plagued these these guys life right they're now all adults um 25 years removed from the incidents that occur in the film and they've been unable to like let this go like they're married <laughs> yeah. with kids they have jobs yet find themselves reuniting to just go over the evidence as they say one more time and <laughs> try to make the pieces fit and i actually found that to be in an odd way because i mean this is obviously this is a very like strange subject matter and it's very like extreme but like in an odd way i found that like very realistic yeah if something like this happened especially you know when you were a a certain age i don't think you'd be (laughs) i mean i just don't i don't think you'd ever be able to stop thinking about it and talking about it because it's so jarring yeah um and it's like obviously it's it's you know part of the unspoken idea is you know it's so frustrating because it's uh death is so final and it it's you know it speaks to kind of like the r- reckless nature of youth and it's kind of that feeling the of impatience like, of youth to just be like i'm gonna kill myself and and it's just like one of those things that it just feels like it could have been prevented but I don't know. And I found these dudes very relatable as uh, they're definitely like fringe players on the social scene. They're involved with these girls loosely, but yeah. And I mean, they, whenever the youngest Cecilia first attempts suicide by slitting her wrists in the bathtub and she's unsuccessful, you know, the psychiatrist played by Danny DeVito in a brief cameo, (laughs) basically, um, he tells her parents, uh, play, you know, the parents played by James Woods and uh, Kathleen Turner. Um, Kathleen Turner, just horrifying. <laughs> Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Yeah. Um, you know, they. he tells the parents like, hey, you know, you need to let these girls socialize a little bit because you're, you're really kind of strict and you keep them locked up basically and they're going crazy. And I think that yeah. if you let them be around uh, boys their own age and, and other people, like maybe, you know, they can relax a little bit. This might be a bit of a misdiagnosis by him. Not that he's wrong, but he does say 
Well, I don't. It's not really that she wants to kill herself. This is more of like a cry for help. However, yeah, I saw people discussing that online about how in you know modern times <laughs> something like this would never happen because uh, she would be like kept under observation for like weeks and then like given like medication and be like this whole thing and wouldn't be able to just like walk out of there and just be like oh well yeah i think you should just let them have a party and everything's gonna be fine (laughs) yeah especially you know a girl her age who pretty violently tries to kill herself i mean the slitting of the wrists in the bathtub yeah and so what i was gonna say was these guys that you were talking about the fringes they they get invited to this party um they interact in like vague ways with the girls but it's unclear how old they are like at the beginning of the film we get all the ages of the girls like 13 through 17 but we don't know who these guys are just kind of they're not really like it's not like oh this guy he likes uh lux and this guy he likes bonnie or you know what i mean it's like they're just dudes in love with all five of them and it doesn't really matter and it's oddly they're more obsessed with this idea of just like five sisters that yeah and it, it seems very innocent like it doesn't really oh, yeah. seem very like sexualized all that much at least from those yeah kids perspectives. Well, i think they are in over their heads sexualized <laughs> i don't know if they can really handle probably but i mean the girls obviously aren't i mean other than lux at the end of the film yeah but, but when like, that one dude goes over to their house for dinner it's just like yeah, it's basically like that Wedding Crashers scene with Vince Vaughn and Isla Fisher <laughs> under the table. A lot of Isla Fisher for Wedding Crashers <laughs> yeah. references on this well, podcast. But yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, there's a student who uh, it's it's kind of done very quickly. We don't really know anything about this guy, but he's some uh, James Woods. He's a teacher at the high school, and this is a a boy that like helped him set up something and got invited over for dinner, and the girls kind of just pounce on him. Yeah. All of them like rubbing their feet up Under his leg table. and stuff and he's just like <laughs> sweating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't handle it. Yeah, I mean they're all very kind of coy and mildly flirtatious, but like yeah, I mean it's unclear if they you know, I don't think they would know what to do either. No, I mean they're right. just doing yes. what they're kinda just like But it, it's all all these things are just like part of the the legend around these girls. It's like the fact that this dude gets to go over and have dinner with all of them to these other these main dudes it's just like what yeah any any guy that has like any interaction with them they try to grill them <laughs> for details most of the time they don't really get anywhere with it but right. um yeah i mean so after cecilia's first suicide attempt uh they have this party they invite some of the neighborhood boys over it's very like a very chaste affair they all get um, very dressed up for it. Yes, the girls are wearing very modest dresses, and the and the boys are wearing like ja- suit jackets and ties. Right. Um. You know, there's like some punch. It's very heavily chaperoned by yeah. Kathleen Turner, and you can you get like your first sense of James Woods, uh, his character desperately trying to interact with the boys at the party. Yeah, he is just like. He's a man on an island, and he doesn't <laughs> know what to do. Very overwhelmed with his life. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not very subtle. Uh, it's you know mentioned a few times throughout the film. You know, we we definitely have the idea that the mother is running the household, and she's the reason for 
how strict and locked down it is. Um, and he kind of just goes along with it. But even be- even beyond that, just the idea of a man who has a wife and five daughters, it's just like, you know, any any chance for some male bonding. Oh, right. It's just like, he's just surrounded. And when pressed, he is definitely just like, look, whatever, man, but my wife ain't going to let that shit fly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you have to imagine, like, all of them are getting their periods at the same time, and it's just, like, a nightmare for him. <laughs> like, he just yeah. can't say anything right, right. or do any. <laughs> a lot of hiding with those model airplanes of his, you know, <laughs> just yeah. like, God. <laughs> and, you know, this is when Cecilia makes her second and this time successful attempt at suicide at this party. She leaps from a second floor window onto a fence post Fen- like, I guess. Uh, yeah. onto a, like a metal fence and is impaled by the fence it's pretty brutal i mean <laughs> it's you don't really see any blood really or anything it's pretty tame for how violent an act it actually is um kind of brings the mood down at the party <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah, kind of an interesting party whatever uh, angles these dudes thought that they were working that night immediately coming to an end upon you know completed suicide any like you know ridiculous fantasies of feeling oh, up kirsten dunce i know like, that's not happening uh, yeah i know like one of the dudes was just like man i was gonna try to hold uh mary's hand tonight <laughs> forget it so cecilia's suicide occurs early in the film and kind of shapes the rest of the events in the film because this is always hanging over right uh everything else like it 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 causes the family to shut down even more and go into like a further lockdown mode. It caught, you know, all the neighbors are gossiping about it and talking about it. And it kind of, you can see the, the narrative starts to spin of like, well, what are these parents doing that this girl just like had to kill herself? Yeah. And I mean, it kind of sends James Woods's character into like this downward spiral that kind of plays out through the rest of the film where he kind of kind of starts, starts living going in crazy living in denial a little bit yeah and it, of course you know sparks even further interest from the boys of the neighborhood um obviously this is like a traumatic sad event but like but the ratio is getting a little bit better for those dudes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it it's kind of harsh to say this but like something like a suicide is so scandalous that it 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 just it 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 even it it accelerates even like the kind of curiosity that they already had like it kind of just sparks you know it just everything is like turned up a notch because of it because like now you throw something like that insane into the mix with this um group of girls that they were already you know obsessed with and it's just like what is going on over there? Because it's like, like I said, it's not necessarily like, obviously I think the boys are in awe of the girls because they are like these blonde goddesses to them. But like, it's more, it's more than just like they have, it's more than just, they have crushes on them, which they do. But like, they want to know even the mundane details of their day-to-day lives. Everything is a mystery. Everything shrouded in this, like what is going on in that house? Like they want to know everything about them. And, they're kind of kept at this distance because of 
you know the way that the families run if they were like a normal family you know some of them might have had crushes on the girls and then maybe even one of them would have got lucky and dated one of them for a little bit and, and it would have just all faded it would have all been normal yeah and um, it's just like this the way that that household was was set up it just it built and built and built into this thing when it i think it you know based on the fact that they're still obsessing over it 25 years later you know it just got out of control yeah uh from the movie perspective uh claire is that the first girl that dies cecilia cecilia so, so okay so claire i don't know it starts with a c whatever and I, I i know this is intentional to give it a little bit more meaning but it's kind of a disappointment that she's gone so early because she's like one of the more compelling uh characters out of the family just she gets some good lines early on like after the first suicide attempt and the doctor basically you know scoffs at it and is like you haven't even lived long enough to find out how bad life sucks and she but i like her line when she's like obviously you've never been a 13 year old girl (laughs) yeah just like the heaviness of that (laughs) yeah and i mean uh she kind of sticks around in the film through uh her diary which the boys somehow get a copy of and read through and you know she kind of pops up as like narrating those parts or in flashback or you can't even say they're flashbacks in their imaginations or whatever and she appears to a couple of the people right um a couple of the boys a couple of times and her father there's a weird scene where she's in the bedroom where the window is open the one that she jumped out of and he closes it and she was standing there yeah unsettling Um, yeah which i i don't know if that like really means anything um it's kind of an interesting juxtaposition to have like the people that are experiencing her absence be her father and also a couple of the neighborhood boys, but we don't get any scenes of like her sisters or mother, you know, right. Imagining that they see her. There's something to this movie too, about like, it's so bleak and so dark what's happening, but I don't know if it ever really fully feels that way. Like the, it's like repressed a little bit. And I don't know if part of that is just because of the way the family kind of just like act like buries it and moves on. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I I definitely think that's the case. Right. And plus the subject matter is so dark that if done in a just completely straightforward manner, like it would be, way. it would be yeah. a pretty unwatchable movie. Right. It would be like, Oh, what is the point of this? It's done very like dreamy and artistic and, you know, with the the soundtrack by Air and kind of the that. the narration by Giovanni Rubisi done in the plural and like all this weird shit in there, it's like kind of there's that classic Sofia Coppola like almost deadpan feel to it. Yeah, there's like a malaise over the film that kind of lulls you into this sense of security where you're kind of not processing the fact that these are like children committing suicide. Yeah. <laughs> So, I would say it's unclear though, because like, like I said at the beginning, the question of why they do it is unresolved, and we're gonna get to a couple of the possible reasons, but there's no definitive answer, as there is not for the boys either. Right. Um. So life goes on without Cecilia. Um. The school year starts, and for all intents and purposes, the girls are acting 
pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, they you don't get, seem to be in a state of mourning when school starts. Uh, there's a couple of shots uh, scattered throughout the movie of particularly the one dude from the group trying to interact with various sisters like at his locker. I think it's just the one, Mary. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, because I think her locker is like close to his or something. Yeah, her, Mary, not having it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, but she's, she kind of reveals, I think in their last interaction, she kind of reveals um, a little bit of defensiveness. Yeah. I think that she kind of felt like people might be trying to be nice to her because her sister committed suicide. Oh, yeah. Because she says something like, you don't have to talk right. to me. Like, yeah. as if... As if that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, Mary's definitely a cutie. She's... Uh, I, I can't remember the age that they're all supposed It's to- weird because Lux is actually supposed to be the second youngest. Young, yeah. Which, it seems like she's older than Mary. I guess by her promiscuous behavior, but it... I don't know. She kind of looks older than her to me too. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't necessarily think that the actress's ages match up. Match up with right. W- w- like even like who's older than who. I actually don't think Cecilia was even the youngest. Yeah, which is scary because she looks very young. Right. I was looking at the the actual ages of the girls now. They're all like in their thirties and stuff. And she was actually not the youngest one that I looked up that I remember how it looked at the time. I guess so. Lux kind of gets pushed to the forefront played by Kirsten Dunst is like the one that kind of stands out the most to boys at school right. or whatever. And she's got a little bit of a wild streak. Yeah. Or I guess an unrealized <laughs> kind of. It's yeah. Just, she's not really out there doing anything, but she definitely has an edge to her. Yeah. We get a little bit of a story from Cecilia's diary of how she fell in love with the garbage man. <laughs> And wrote his name on her all of her underwear, oh, yeah. all of her bras and panties <laughs> right. and stuff, and then her mom like bleached it out of all of them and <laughs> causing her to cry all day or whatever. Um, how traumatic! Yeah, which I think you know is kind of an an illustration of how repressed the girls felt that she would yeah. fall in love with just any man that showed up, right? Because other than going out to school and church like they never interacted with anyone but themselves and right. so it was i think it was pretty easy to kind of create like a fantasy world involving like a guy that she saw all the time yeah which happened to be the garbage man <laughs> <laughs> um can you imagine being that garbage man <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know she catches the eye of uh trip fontaine played by josh harnett with I don't know if that's like a wig. I don't know. His hair is ridiculous in this. <laughs> but um, super cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a ridiculous over the top like ladies man. Yeah. Has this ability to just flirt with women of all ages. Get away with whatever. Has two gay dads. Yeah. Um, living kind of like a a bachelor lifestyle except he's in high school. <laughs> At the age of like 15. Um. And he takes a shine to uh, Lux. It's the first girl that he's ever really cared about. <laughs> well, yeah. his interest level, his interest is is piqued by her not responding to him in the same way that every other chick does. Right. So it becomes his mission yeah, I to mean, land this one. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't seem that interested in him at first, and so... 
all of a sudden he's got to have her. He's got to yeah. have, you know, what he can't get. So right. he kind of has like a relationship with uh, James Woods, I guess, and he's, has him in some class or something. So he gets he gets in, himself invited on a, I don't know. Hang out. Does he like invite her on the date? And that, And she I, tells him that's what it has to be? Uh, or? Something maybe like that. It's hard to remember. He wants exactly to date Lux, down. and basically all she's allowed to do is have him over. Well, she's started to come around to his chasing after because there's like a hand-holding situation, right, at school or something. Something. Thought, yeah. Yeah, I mean, now that she's gotten like the interest of like a pretty boy from school, she's down. Yeah. Um, He wants to like go on a date with her but the only thing that she's like allowed to do is have like a chaperoned visit <laughs> family with hangout yeah yeah he has to sit and watch tv in the living room of their house with the whole family present and i don't even is he even like sitting next to her i, I don't even uh, think he's sitting yeah next i don't to think her. so and it, i mean <laughs> it is like kind of awkward and horrible but i mean it's kind of understandable i mean i think the lengths that you'll go to for a chick that you're into you know what i mean oh like, i know what you mean <laughs> what it's like if she was like the only thing that we could do is like go to church together it's like all right like, well, what time <laughs> yeah i mean once you're like in once you're all in for a girl it's like it doesn't matter what you have to do to yeah. you know to make the situation work like, it's like what him going to church it's like well let me Put on my finest flip-flops and three-quarters shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think when they go to the dance later, isn't he wearing like a velvet or something? Or like velour? Yeah. I don't know. Um, So, yeah, he goes and he spends some time there. And it's like they're not even talking. And like... Which to me would be like a dream date. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like James Woods is sitting on a chair... Like an easy chair, and like uh, Josh Hartnett's like on the uh, couch, and then I think he's sitting next to Kathleen Turner, and then Lux, <laughs> and then like the other girls are like on the floor and like another chair or something like that, and yes. then it's like nobody's talking, and then like uh, Kathleen Turner's just like, oh, I think it's getting late, and like <laughs> James Woods had like fallen asleep. <laughs> And then it's like, oh yeah, I right, guess that's the end the of the day. Lovely time. And so he like leaves, and he's sitting out front in his car. Just got to be like thinking, like, oh my god. Well, first she walks him to the door. Lux. Yeah. So they do have like a brief moment alone, and it's just like, all right, well, yeah. I mean, I I'll think, see you sometime. I, yeah, I think we've all been there. You oh know, yeah. In the car, thinking like, God, that was awful. Right. Like, I don't know what just happened. Yeah. Like, this feels terrible like i don't know if this is all fucked up now i don't know where i stand anymore. i've certainly been there like way more often than like being like well that went good <laughs> so yeah he's sitting there kind of having like this weird moment and then out of nowhere uh lux runs up to the car in like a nighty and like opens the passenger door and just starts making out with like him. gets uh, like straddles him Right or yeah, not? I don't know about that. Okay, kind of le- le- leaning on <laughs> okay. top of him, All right. but like, yeah. yeah, not like full on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like a pretty wild makeout sesh, and I mean, it's you know, it's made to feel all the more exuberant because you know that like it's so forbidden, you know. Yeah, 
And and for uh, Josh Hartnett, it's definitely like a holy shit moment. Oh yeah, I mean it was for me just watching it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, can you imagine? <laughs> it's like, no, I can't. <laughs> so yeah, that's like a total like zero to a hundred in terms of how well this night went. <laughs> right. And this is where we definitely see uh, something of like Lux where she stands apart from her sisters. Because I don't really know that if a dude pursued these other girls, if they have the capacity to pull a similar move. See, I kind of disagree. Okay. I think... That the only thing, the only reason it's Lux is because it's Lux. Meaning, if it would have happened to any of the other girls, they'd be the one that's separated. Like, I think all of them are just bursting to get out of this. I don't know. So The older sisters seem like, I mean, maybe they've just been more beaten down. Because it's kind of like... You know, eventually they all. Yeah, get it, I will say it's it is probably true that they don't have the the same kind of guts that, right. that she has, but I don't think that that means that they don't want to do well, it. Well, she's the first one that's able to. And granted, you know the charming. What is Josh Hartnett's character's name? Trip, Trip, Trip Fontaine. The charming Trip Fontaine is able to you know convince Pops that it's a good idea that you know he can take them all to the dance, and we'll certainly get to that. But it's just. She's the first one that's able to get them to break this cardinal rule of basically letting them go out to date. Like the older yeah, sisters and, had to I live mean, with these rules and well, they couldn't break the establishment. Well, they also didn't have a sister commit suicide. That's true. Right before all this. Because I think that helped loosen the it, grip. Yeah, I think it kind of sent a little bit of a shockwave through the status quo that had been going on in the Elizabeth right. house for little you know, years. Up. Um, for 17 years, approximately. Um, so yeah, so Trip wants to like continue on with this relationship with Lux. Oh, yeah, I mean, at this point, he's got to be like, it's all I can think about after that yeah. car scene. And we kind of this is like intercut with like an interview with modern day Trip, who has like short hair and just looks a lot different and looks kind of, you know, a little it's, weathered and beaten. Had a down. rough go of it, yeah. I mean, we don't get like the full reveal yet of what's going on in that right. interview, but we, I but think it does. I will say, even not knowing where this goes, I will say the feeling that it gave me, it felt like a like a rehab situation. Like it's cold with like the coffee cup in front of him. Yeah, you and know, like a table, right? Just like a round, weird table. Yep. Um, and so the next step in his pursuit of Lux is this homecoming dance, and. He approaches, he kind of does the smart move. He decides to approach Lux's father first. It's a very, like, Zach Morris type (laughs) scheme. Yeah, and I mean, Tripp is kind of the Zach Morris of this school, for sure. And, like, he understands that just asking Lux is not going to really... It's a dead-end road. It's not really going to do anything, because she'll just beg her parents and they'll say no. And... That'll be the end of it. Right. And so he decides to cut out the middleman and go straight to the parents. Absolutely. So subconsciously, he probably understands that uh, his teacher, Lux's father, is a little bit more agreeable seeming. Like he probably has, you know, been in class with them now for a while and he thinks he must be a reasonable man. So Yeah, and I mean, he's right, really. I mean, it doesn't take much convincing. That's just like, 
look, I hear you, man, but my hands are tied on this. I don't wear the pants in this relationship, if you know He's what I'm like, saying. You don't think that I would want to crack... <laughs> at that ass if she wasn't my daughter and I was your age. No, but he's probably just like, I would love a night with my girls not around. <laughs> Even though the whole thing ends up being that he's going to chaperone the dance. So, in order to try to like appease Lux's parents, he comes up with this scheme of like picking out uh, four, three other dudes. Right. I was going to say four, but Cecilia is dead. Three other dudes. This is like that golden ticket from like the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Just like, I mean, imagine that you play football with this dude. You're just like a single dude looking for a date, and he's like putting this scheme together. What if you were one of his friends that were left out? I would never talk to him again. Yeah, well, maybe after you know everything that happens, I, I would be like, well, you know what? Dodged a bullet there. Yeah, glad I didn't get involved. Um, yeah, because. I, I think it's like it's hard to really say what the Lisbon girl's social status in school is. Um, I think probably to like the dudes, they were like these hot sisters that were a little strange. Probably to the chicks, they were just weird girls that they didn't like because right. they were weird and probably yeah. and stuck to themselves and didn't socialize with anyone. And so it's hard to really get a read. On like, what I don't. The think, desire it's not like is, they were the yeah. most popular Sought girls after, in school, right? yes. but like at the same time, I think every dude in that school district was probably like aware. Of meanwhile, them. yeah. Meanwhile, these other dudes that have just been drooling over these chicks, like not even in consideration because they're not cool enough to be friends with Trip Fontaine. Yeah, and again, they don't seem nearly as old as Josh Hartnett. That's like, true. Yeah. It's but they all see, they're seemingly all in high school. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're probably old enough for Lux, but Lux is like the wildest of the bunch. Right, yeah. And that's the one that Trip wants. And the other... The ages of everyone is kind of like irrelevant in this movie. Like, it's just not discussed. All of the girls are going to homecoming together. Their dates are all going in one car. But like, who gets who? And like, the ages of the guys versus the ages of the girls is doesn't come up i mean there's no thought of like right because lux is the youngest surviving one and she's going with trip and trip seems like the oldest dude yeah um and of course once uh james woods agrees to this whole plan and is like going and giving the sales pitch which i love how he does right in front of the girls too to his wife like yeah he's explaining the scheme and of course they're like what like stunned that this is even being discussed and he's able to like break his wife down and she concedes that i guess this is okay i mean obviously she has some stipulations but it's once it is all realized that this is going to happen kind of like the one girls they're like well who's going with who and the one older sister is like oh they're just gonna raffle us off to see (laughs) like Lux is really the only one that's been like sought after. Yeah, I mean, she says it, but she says it. She says it in a way where she's kind of she's cynical enough to understand that, but like doesn't seem to be that put off by it. Right. It's kind of just like, well, I still get to go out. Yeah. And so you know, the girls get to pick out some dresses that all get. (laughs) 
altered by their mom to like add to the bus line and add to the length of the dress and the whole deal and i guess trip picks a couple of dudes he picked he 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 picked some strategic choices you know like uh the one kid you know was i guess like real smart and won all the school prizes all right and, whatnot. and people that like james woods knew and like would be able to sell yeah and so the girls all get to go out for seemingly the first time ever to this homecoming dance um dressed like a mormon picnic. yeah <laughs> yeah but still luminous right <laughs> elegant but understated <laughs> and i mean once well i guess they all pile in this car which i mean eight people riding in this yeah it's kind of hard i think like five are in the back somehow right and i think yeah and then they immediately start do they smoke a joint or something no i think it was just a cigarette oh okay oh lux lights up yeah so right away we know that lux is gonna take this taste of freedom and run with it yeah um, they're sipping out of like a schnapps bottle at the dance. Schnapster, underneath, yeah, the schnapster, <laughs> underneath the bleachers or whatever. And the other girls are a little bit more hesitant. I think like eventually, at least one of the other ones sips from it too. But they're kind of just a little more scared. They to, don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, they under, you know, they know that like this is their one chance, and if they mess up, that it'll be over. Which. Right basically is what happens uh-huh. so lux and trip win king and queen or whatever of homecoming right but before that happens they're kind of off in a backstage area uh yeah under the bleachers right okay but yeah so drinking the schnapps and yeah as you said the one other sister drinks the schnapps but i wanted to just point out this bizarre kissing pose that they're <laughs> they're like sitting cross leg facing each other I mean, I would just be, like, cramping up. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I know I'm making out with, like, this really hot girl that I never thought I'd have a chance to make out with, but I got to lay down and stretch out here. Seriously. It's like, good lord. I got a Charlie horse going. I know. (laughs) Yeah, so then they win king and queen. Uh, The dance ends. It's time for them to leave, but Trip has taken Lux out onto the football field. And the other sisters and their dates are all in the car waiting, and eventually they realize they're all going to be late if they don't go. So uh, the other boys take them home, and Trip fucks Lux on the football field, and then it kind of cuts to like the next morning, <laughs> and yeah, which she is, wakes up alone, yeah, on the field, which this monster Trip Fontaine. Just abandoning this angel on the football field. It's like it's yeah, it's so bizarre and like jarring that he just because then they they when they're doing the interview with the modern day trip and he's talking about it, it, it kind of flashes back and shows you just like him walking away, right, and leaving her there, and it's like and he, it's odd. He's still claiming to have like really loved her and still kind of feeling this loss. But, like, you have to, like, think about it. It's like, well, why did he walk away? And it's like, once he fucked her, it was like... He got a taste of that, but... It was, that was, it was like, the thrill... The conquest was over. Yeah, it was like, he just discarded her because... But still! He, I know! Get her a ride home! Yeah, And then never talk to her! Jesus! I know, it's this so maggot. brutal. <laughs> and 
I think, you know, we talk about why did the girls kill themselves and, you know, the most logical reason is well, yet to come. But this, I mean, this is an example of their mother's worst fears being realized, though. Well, yeah, this is a betrayal to Lux and, you know, by extension, the other sisters that I don't think it's not very it's 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 very subtle and not very played up in the movie but i think this betrayal really kind of is something that they can't get over right i mean the magnitude of it is pretty high they thought you know this was some like magical night and their first chance to like experience the real world yeah and they do and, and it's the, horrible and the real world shit all over them right and because Lux comes home in a taxi in the morning and her mom is like yelling at her and shaking her. Right. And which I mean, I'm glad she had, did she have like cab fare? I mean, I guess it came to her house, but Yeah, I was waiting for someone to go back out and pay the driver right. cuz the taxi like lingers like for, maybe he saw what was happening was just like, "You know what? I got to get out of here." Yeah, this no is kidding. Too weird. <laughs> yeah. But like I mean, imagine that cab ride home. It was probably like HBO's Taxi Cab Confessional. <laughs> <laughs> this monster Trip Fontaine left me on the football field. Yeah, and their Lux's parents' response, well, the mother's response is the girls are pulled out of school. Yeah. Completely. They are completely locked into the house. Um Yeah. It's gone to complete lockdown mode, and they see at, at this point they all seem to take asylum in one room together too. Like it's the yes. girls versus their mom at this point. Yeah, and I mean, you know, their mom is trying to burn uh, Lux's rock and roll records, and it's a traumatic, borderline torturous experience. Right, and you know, really shutting everything down in response to what happened. But it's interesting to note that the girls, the other girls, don't hold it against Lux. They stay united with their sister. Right. Um, I mean, I think that they know that this is like a crazy over-the-top reaction from their mom. Yeah, well, they yeah they could know that and still blame that's true. Lux, though. Yeah, but they don't that's true. seem to, really. Um, well, they got that bond. Yeah, even though Lux is the youngest remaining daughter, she seems like the de facto leader now yes. because she's responsible for so much that's happened. And eventually their father uh, quits teaching. Which, what is the source of income for this family? I mean, five daughters, they live in this big house in suburbia. What? Well, what does Kathleen Turner do? I mean, I'd like to point out... I. I've tried to like stay more true to the movie and not reference the book because the movie actually is pretty much the same as the book. I mean, there's not a whole lot changed, but one thing that they kind of don't emphasize in the movie is in the book they talk about how there's a lot of neglect going on in the house. Um right. It stops being cleaned, food is left out, no nobody's buying food is this the implication is cecilia's death or no this is yeah this is now this is after the incident with lux oh so it's a reaction to that yeah um the it's kind it's kind of never said outright but like if you read between the lines it's possible to think that maybe the girls are even being starved in a way Uh because there's just like 
like uh, flowers in the food is just rotting out to the point where the the neighbors can smell their house it's like so disgusting oh and like it's kind of it's a you know it's obviously like a form of abuse sort of psychological warfare going on yeah i mean it's like abuse but like i think the reason why they didn't want to get into that in so much in the movie was i think it's important they didn't want it to be as explained well what happens i just don't think they wanted people to to jump to any conclusions about what kind because i don't i there nowhere in the movie or in the book is there any indication of sexual or physical abuse right and i don't think they wanted to like imply that maybe that's why all this was happening because that would provide an answer that was untrue okay and not really accurate to the source material so like if they started to go down that road i think people would start to maybe jump to some conclusions about this or that or the other thing and it's just it was easier to keep the mystery alive without like giving us too many details about what was going inside going on inside the house because like that was kind of like a weird thing in the book where like they're kind of just like you know people would be able to like literally smell their house because like the rotting food left out and plates left out and nothing being cleaned and it kind of i don't know it it, it's it would be hard to translate into the movie really fully at all and then also like i said i just i think they wanted to to leave more up to the viewer than to like kind of start you know give like providing all these avenues to go on go down that weren't necessarily that important so anything about their income in the book Mm -mm. okay so there might be there might be i actually don't i don't remember but Um, so anyway we're now we get back to our heroes the boys this is their moment these girls are now locked away apparently one of these dudes like lives across the street from them right or something yeah seems to be right so there it's kind of like a Sandlot-esque effort to make contact with these girls. Yeah, I mean, well no, the girls start it oh, they by do? flashing the light, the oh, Morse the, code. The the light flashing happens before the phone call with yeah, yeah, the music. Then, okay. Um then they start like leaving them notes. The girls mm-hmm. must be sneaking out of the house to leave notes in like their mailboxes right. and whatnot. Um, and it kind of leads to this back and forth phone call they've thing been, where they'll play records for each other. They've been spying on them kind of at night through a telescope, which in the most insane part, Lux is going out onto the roof at night to have sex with random dudes. This part seems a little insane. Yeah, it's very dramatic. It's like a, it's it's jarring. It seems too escalated for everything else. Like what? Do you think she's just... Who is she communicating this to? These dudes... Like, how is she getting word out to these dudes to meet her on the rooftop for a late-night rendezvous? Well, I mean, you would have to imagine then that they are still leaving the house to uh, go to church or possibly to... Uh, the one guy worked at like Burger Chalet or whatever. (laughs) Maybe they went to there. All quality dudes, yeah. That garbage Um, man back in the mix. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think any way that they could. I mean, she does leave a... Doesn't one of the notes she gets out to the dudes is basically like, you can tell Trip Fontaine to suck it, basically. 
Like, I thought there's a message about him where she's like, yeah, I th- I'm yeah. over that deadbeat. No, no, no. That actually was not to trip. That was oh. to the guy that said he would call her. Oh, yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, minimal. and it, it seemed more playful than, right. like, because the thing with Trip was, like, yeah. way more serious. Um, yeah, and so this causes the boys to go into a bit of, like, a an overexcited frenzy. You know, they're, <laughs> they finally made some progress with these dream girls right. uh, that exist halfway in their imagination and halfway in reality. Seemingly their whole lives have been building towards <laughs> this. And so it all comes down to a night where... The girls organize uh, an invitation to the boys to come get them. And it, it kind of has, like, there's a little bit of, like, Rapunzel in this story, if you know what I mean. Like, being locked away yeah. in a tower and the blonde hair and everything. But, like, the boys are not, they want to be heroes. Right. They want to take these girls and save them from this life. Yes. But they're... We talked about this in the Wonder Years episode. The Wonder Years, the lake, and yes. back to like these. These they live under roofs that their fathers own. Yeah, I mean the car that they are gonna drive is not their car. I they mean, don't have any money. Yeah, I mean they're just kids basically, and like they understand only that these girls need saved, but they can't really do anything about it. And right. the rest of the neighborhood, they gossip about the Lisbons, but they don't. Right. intercede i mean it's just not how things were especially in the 70s i mean you know i think nowadays if people were like suspicious like one daughter commits suicide it might and then, be like an intervention social services may be called but yeah especially if you know the stuff that's described in the book about the house smelling right. and the food and everything but like they go over there and they you know you they meet lux at the back door and lux like invites them in and says to wait and they have this heartbreaking little fantasy of them driving driving with the girls and it's a troubling ending because you don't yes you don't know why the girls invited them over only to kill themselves on this particular night um lux goes out to the garage and asphyxiates with the car running bonnie i believe is hanging in the basement which the boys are the that's actually the one they discover i think uh uh, sleeping pills for one of them and asphyxiation in the oven uh yeah which i didn't i didn't really know about this as a way that people kill themselves just sticking your head in the oven yeah so that like the gas from it i'm not really sure but yeah you can't you people have killed themselves that way i'm not really sure what happens but it's very unceremonious way to <laughs> do it. Well, oddly enough, <laughs> it's kind of a strange little difference in the book. One of the girls survives. Oh, really? And then kills herself a month later. Oh. And it's kind of unceremonious. Like It's kind of just like said in a sentence. Like, yeah. She, she, oh, she managed to overdose on sleeping pills or something like a month later or whatever. Right. And it's kind of just a matter of fact little add on to the thing I, I, I don't i don't remember which girl it was or i think it was the one in the oven um is this our bleakest episode <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that she's the man episode is pretty bleak for like yeah. different reasons <laughs> and that's like kind of a wrap on the lisbon girls like yeah that's it <sighs> there were five and now there's none and you just like wanted to like it like i said it, it it's this it's everything and it's nothing. 
It's like, it's everything to these boys, but it's nothing. There's no, whatever the reason, it wasn't good enough because they were just kids and you wanted to just slap them and be like, for fuck's yeah. sake, one of you is 17. I know. You can You're, go to college next year. You can, well, you can just leave. Well, yeah. And then even the one that was 13. And at college, it's going to be like a nonstop orgy. <laughs> even the one that was 13, it's like five years is such a short time in your actual life but you can't explain that to a teenager who's in that kind of a mindset it's like they don't they can't grasp that there's a future beyond the life that they're living in that moment yeah it's it does seem like the end of the world to them every little thing that happens and it's like they're trapped in this world that they hate and i mean when they had their chance at some kind of a freedom they were they felt like a betrayal. Right. <laughs> I like whenever, you know, the boys show up to take them on the date and, uh, you know, they're pinning the uh, corsages to them and it kind of like pans down to Lux's hip and it does like the weird camera insert of like underneath her dress, oh, to, like, yeah. her underwear, <laughs> and it has trip written right. and with like a heart for the dot on the eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just shortly like, thereafter would be bleached out. <laughs> yeah, and it's just this immeasurable sadness of this world that these boys live in now, and they can't shake these girls that they only knew tangentially, but tried to experience fully, and yet never could. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. I Where mean, do you think these girls' lives would have gone if they hadn't killed themselves? I mean, Lux. Definitely would have been like a problem. <laughs> I, I think like it's possible that her and Trip could have got it going again years later in the psych ward or rehab wherever. I don't know, and I, I don't know. I've talked, I've had discussions about this movie with people before, and one time was with a girl, and she had this whole take on it about how she. <laughs> She liked the movie but thought that it would be better if it was told from the girl's perspective or something and was like I mean it's not totally oh, devoid of that perspective. Oh, we don't know, you know, we don't know why they're doing it. We we should it's like, well that's not really what it's about. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. That's it's, true. It's like, you know, experiencing something like this from the outside looking in and trying to figure it out is like kind of the whole point. Right. of the whole thing if you changed that then it would be something completely different it wouldn't even be the same thing anymore yeah i don't know definitely like just seeing like these these dudes that we kind of like get the perspective of it did you know it brought me back a little bit (laughs) into those high school days just being like a fringe player and i just remember like the first time that like a like more popular chick was like into me. My friend who was like way cooler than me had to like tell me on AIM and he was like, dude, she wants you to ask her to the dance. Just do it. I finally got up the fucking guts to do it. And she said yes. And then I just couldn't ever talk to her. (laughs) She would eventually go on to go to the dance with someone else. Oh my God. (laughs) Your life is just a series of, repug incidents <laughs> it's like oh my god i feel like i need to beat you up right now well i mean i would later get better but <laughs> and then go right back down to being worse yeah i mean it's kind of just like to young guys it's like all girls are like such a mystery and it's like 
this movie is like almost as if you never solved that mystery. Like right. you never got to know anything. And yeah. it just was always kept at this distance. And you always tried to piece it together with, you know, the bits of evidence. Because, you know, like the boys, <laughs> they they wait until <laughs> the uh, eventually, you know, after the girls all commit suicide, the parents leave town and uh, move and have an estate sale. And then everything else is thrown out and the the boys just, you know, scavenge what they can to try to piece this together in their yeah. minds and keep their little shrine of the Lisbon women. <laughs> and they'll never be able to put it all together. Never have any closure or resolution to the situation, really. Because ultimately, something like this, there is no answer. There's no reasonable explanation as to why something like this would ever happen. Right. I mean... In this particular scenario, I don't want to, like, denigrate someone else's, like, experience. Like, if, you know, if there was, like, some kind of weird, abusive thing. And, I mean, it is still insane that, like, five kids would kill themselves. But, like, (laughs) you know what I mean. We'll be giving out uh, suicide hotline numbers at the end of this episode. (laughs) Stick around after the heart song. (laughs) Under normal circumstances, like, semi-normal circumstances, this would not be something that would able to be explained, really, in any way. Is it possible the listening audience wants to kill themselves even more during this episode than usual? (laughs) I guess that'll do it for Virgin Suicides. Um, Follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. If you do watch uh, Virgin Suicides and are feeling like a little bit down afterwards, we recommend The Stoned Age as a nice (laughs) follow-up. Get those spirits right back up. (laughs) Yeah, or Melancholia. Another Kirsten Dunn's downer. Downer. <laughs> uh, yep. Follow the show on Twitter. Rate and review. Subscribe on iTunes. Tell your friends. Keep it real. Yeah. Lots of big episodes still to come. We got like a really like vigorous schedule of recording ahead of us. So be ready. We're just gonna be like pumping out good apps. <laughs> well, good. You know in quotes right but uh yeah thanks for listening and uh we'll see you next time Show